Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty, everyone. Uh, Welcome back. If you're coming back, welcome here for the first time if you're a new listener. We're very pleased today to have um, a very special guest, Mr. Wynn Claybaugh. And Wynn, really appreciate you being on the show today. I know you've done a lot of these throughout your career, and it is uh, our absolute honor to have you with us. Yeah, I, I have done a lot of these, Patrick, and I, I'm honored, but I also have to tell you that I get nervous every single time. <laughs> what, what, what do they say? that the, the number one fear is public speaking, and the number two fear is death by fire, so you can imagine how I feel right now. <laughs> well, I know you've had a lot of experience, so I'm not too worried. I think this is going to go great, and uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet with us. My pleasure. Uh, I'm looking forward to to visiting with uh, Wynn today. He has a, a, a really an extraordinary career, uh, what he's accomplished, what he is accomplishing, and um, really not just on the business side, but on his philanthropic side. I think it's probably what you're most excited about, Wynn, if I know anything about you. Um, looking forward to getting into that story a little bit, because uh, what you're doing is uh, is just a phenomenal example for others, in my opinion. Um, I always start out the show by sharing two reasons why I've invited this specific guest. And one of the first is, is that Wynn has absolutely transformed an industry. And he's done that, um, not single-handedly, because it always takes a village, right? It takes a team. But he has definitely spearheaded a transformation of his industry, which is the uh, hair care, salon, beauty industry where he is a world-renowned expert. Um, But he's done it in a way that has incorporated kindness into the culture. And in the process, I think it's had these ripple effects that are continuing to today. And so that's that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to ask Wynn to be with us is is he has has and is continuing to, to, to make changes in an industry that are far reaching even global. And secondly, um, when his, as, a good, as, as much as anyone I've met, he has blended his talents and his skills into a platform that is, um, it's changing lives beyond his industry as a speaker, as an author, as a philanthropist and so forth. So uh, we all start where we are. We have our, our lane, right? We, we are in a lane. It's what we're good at. It's what we know. And many of us stay in that lane, and that's all we do. Wynn has and is expanding far beyond that and touching the lives of millions of people in the process. So, um, Wynn, thanks again for being here. I really appreciate it. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting into your story. Maybe we can just start out by telling us where you grew up and a little bit about your family and um, what got you into this this industry. Um, Obviously... Um, we'll get into the details of it, but just so you all know, as you're listening, Wynn is the co-founder and the dean of the Paul Mitchell Schools. They have over 100 locations today, and uh, he, has, uh, he has built that school in, in partnership with, um, 
with the Paul Mitchell's company in partnership with uh, originally Paul Mitchell, but then uh, John Paul DeGiorio, right? Yes. And uh, has continued with his son, with, with uh, Paul Mitchell's son, uh, since his passing. But, um, you know, your story is incredible, Win. I mean, I've, I've been, as I've been learning more and more about you, it just goes on and on and on. I, I had to condense everything uh, just to get into your bio. I had to cut about, you know, three-fourths of it out just to make it fit. I only have so many, you know, I only have so many words <laughs> that I can fit into the bio as I as I did the write-up. But... Uh, but tell us a little bit about your background. How how did you get started and, and where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in past. Southern California. Uh, and But at some point around the age of 19 years old, I moved to Utah for a little while. My 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 whole family moved to, to Utah. And so I moved up there as well, uh, which is where I started my company. I got into the hair industry. I I joke now I'm, I'm in the hair business. Uh <laughs> But I'm not a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. So uh, never went to college, not one day of college. I barely, and I mean barely, graduated from high school. Apparently, they want you to show up. <laughs> I, I was busy, I told them. Uh, and now here, almost 40 years later, not a hairdresser, never went to college. But, you know, I make a lot of money. I get to travel the world. I get to have a lot of fun every single day because the beauty industry, I heard it said that hairdressers go to work every single day with the intention of having fun. So I belong to a, a, an, an industry that's all about, about fun, which, which actually has really helped me and guide me as I consult and work with other industries about teaching them how to create that fun culture, something that people want to belong to. And that's a whole nother topic. Um, but the beauty industry taught me that. I, I've had the opportunity uh, in the last 10 years, been invited to speak at Yale University, UCLA, Brigham Young. Never went to college, but major universities are always inviting me to come and speak. Oh, and then, um, gosh, about 15 years ago, I was I was received the the Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award from the North American Hairdressing Association. And I'm not even a hairdresser, but not once, Patrick, not once in my entire 40 year career has anybody ever asked to see my resume. No, nobody has any idea if I'm even qualified to be doing any of this right now. That's amazing. So, so going back uh, 40 years or so now, since you started your your company, I'm at, and I'm actually from Utah. I went to Brigham Young University. don't know if you knew that, but... I did not know that. Wow. So I, uh, I, I, I'm sure there was a big transition from... Wait, you, so you didn't go to your, get your hair done at my school there in Provo, Utah? I started it 40 years ago in Provo, Utah. It was my first school. You know, I actually think I have gotten my hair cut there because I lived in Orem, Provo. And uh, they gave, you know, since they were students that were practicing, we got a pretty good deal, if I, as I remember right. Back then, it was probably $5 for a haircut. Yeah. You know, you know what's I so funny so. is, is uh, Steve Young, the, the famous football player, uh, yeah. uh, told me that while he was going to Brigham Young University, that my school was his dating pool. He would go and get his haircut every three weeks <laughs> because my school was filled with so many beautiful women that that's where he got most of his dates from. So maybe I shouldn't be sharing that, but uh, that's I fantastic. love that story. That's great. So, yeah. So, you know, my dad actually went through the same transition. He grew up in Long Beach, where I know you, you lived in Long Beach for several years. And mm -hmm. uh, he moved to Utah. His family moved when he was uh, later uh, really in high school, but he said he missed the beach. He went to the mountains, you know, but it was a big transition. 
You know, yeah. I mean, I'm curious to know uh, how old you were when you moved and, and what was that transition like for you from Southern California to, uh, to the Wasatch Front? Oh, it was, it was incredible. I mean, I love, I love the state of Utah. The only thing that I am now trying to avoid as I get older in life is uh, cold weather. So, you know, the older I get, the warmer I want it. So to be in Southern California certainly lends itself to that. And, and maybe the next move is to Mexico. I don't know, someplace warmer. Right. I can relate. Um, I spent about 12 years in Portland, Oregon, and then three years in San Diego. Now we live in Henderson, as you know. And uh, same reason. I mean, I, it breaks my mom's heart. I'm sure she'd love us to live in Salt Lake City, but we don't miss the cold. Um, so your family is still all there in Utah? They are. Yeah. My, my 96-year-old mother lives there in Lehigh, Utah. So I get up there. I was just up there for her birthday a couple of weeks ago. And uh, took her up to Sundance. I've never seen that much snow up at Sundance, and there I'm pushing her in a wheelchair in the in the snow, and she's giggling the whole way. It was <laughs> so I always have really, really good experiences and memories of of being there in Utah. That's great. So, so what attracted you to the beauty industry? I mean, you didn't, you weren't a, a, a hairstylist, you weren't a barber, no. but how did you, how did you make that leap into you that? Know, I, I had a. I had money from a, 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 a project that I was in. All of a sudden, I had this money that I wanted to invest in some type of a business. I had friends that were hairdressers, and 40 years ago, they talked me into opening up a little salon. I mean, the salon was three chairs about the size of my bedroom. It, <laughs> it, it, uh, I, of course, you know, back then, I was the receptionist. I was the janitor. I was the, the shampoo right. boy. I was the, the towel boy. You, you, you do everything. You know, nowadays they don't even give me a key to my building. So, you know, but back then you you do it all. And and by the way, I was having a blast. I, I loved every, every aspect of it. Had zero education to be doing what I was doing. But I've always I've always been a a fan of mentors. My mom even says that when I was a little kid, how she got me to eat breakfast in the morning was to tell me that that's what Walt Disney ate for breakfast. And because I always admired successful people, especially successful people, uh, famous people that do good things with their celebrity, with their money, I'm always attracted to that, even to this day. And so, um, so even though I didn't have the college education or the business experience, I was always on the hunt for wonderful mentors. And I've humbled myself Again, to this day, I humble myself enough to learn from people who are much smarter than I am. Well, that's not hard to do. In my case, I am surrounded by some extraordinary business leaders, mentors, and, and just partners. In our company, Certainty Management, I started it as a sole proprietor and eventually opened up the ownership to some of our affiliates because I wanted them to have a vested interest in it. You know, for right. me, it wasn't about the money or the control as much as... I wanted partners who were vested, who uh, had some skin in the game, as it were, right? That, that sense of ownership. You know, I, I love telling people, gosh, if you're the smartest, most talent, talented person working for your company, I feel sorry for you. I completely That means that you're now going to be forced to work 12-hour days, six days a week. A, a smart person, a great leader knows how to bring out the best in other people. It's all about that collaboration. I, comp I completely agree. Absolutely. So you started your business and then how did it evolve from there? Because eventually you became a, a spokesperson for Paul Mitchell. You started speaking all over the country. I'm interested how that transition happened because that was pretty significant for your life. 
It, it, it was. And, and I think it's Tony Robbins who says that you're motivated through either inspiration or desperation. And for me, way back then, it was desperation on a, on a personal level. Um, I was I was struggling. I was struggling with with happiness. I was struggling with depression. Um, and you better believe that was going to impact my my business. And so I, I started following incredible mentors, both from a, a spiritual point of view to a personal development point of view, even a clinical point of view by authors such as John Bradshaw and Louise Hay and Marianne Williamson and Og Mandino and Gerald Jampolsky. I mean, that list just goes on and on. And I just started studying these people, but I was taking in so much information from the books that I was reading and the seminars that I was going to with these mentors that the only way that I could validate the information was to talk about it. And so in my, in my team huddles for my business, my, my team would ask me, gosh, when you just got back from that two-day retreat with uh, Louise Hay, what did you learn? And so I'd spend two hours talking about what she taught me and what I learned and that process of sharing information that really had nothing to do with the business, so to speak, but it had everything to do with empowering people. By me sharing that information, I saw that things were increasing in my company, in my business, better loyalty, better teamwork, better creativity, better profitability, because we were focused on that aspect of life as well, not just uh, the business of running a business. And that process of sharing information eventually one day turned into a career. I had no idea that somebody was going to pay me to, to hear what I have to say, hear what I have to share. And so I'm grateful for that part of my career as well. I think we all have about five jobs, right, Patrick? You have about five jobs, we do. maybe 10, who knows? Some of us have 20 or 25, but that's- There you go, story. there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm Uber dad, but <laughs> I run this company and I have another company that I'm with called Salty Dog and I'm a motivational speaker. So yeah, we all have five jobs. Yeah. So um, as you started speaking, and I, it's funny because you talked about earlier about how people have these major fears, right? Public speaking is the number one fear for most people, even greater than death. I mean, I think it was Jay Leno that said most of us would rather be giving or in the, in the casket than giving the eulogy, right? Right. And, uh, and and yet, for some of us, we feed off it, and it's it's interesting because I'm the same way. I I love I love speaking. I, I'd rather be on a stage speaking or doing an interview like this than just about anything else. But it is a, a really big fear for a lot of people. So as you started giving these, your, your uh, team, your team uh, speeches and started, did it just start to, did, did word spread? Or I mean, how did it get back to, to Paul Mitchell corporate that you were that guy? Well, first of all, uh, that, that whole idea of becoming a speaker and you say that uh, lots of people have a fear of that. My response to that is build a bridge and get over it. Right. I, I, I think that every successful business leader, manager needs to become a motivational speaker because sometimes your audience is one person, it's one-on-one -on -one with that team member that needs some coaching or some encouragement or some, some, some praise, or sometimes it's on a stage in front of uh, 10 team members in, a, in a, a team huddle, in a team training or meeting. And for, for those of us who've decided to turn it into a career, sometimes it's on stage in front of 3,000 people. But for everybody to develop the skill set of being an, an effective speaker where you know how to move people, 
with your words, you better believe that that's a skill set that's, that's going to serve you well. So as I was out there, to answer your question, as I was out there uh, sharing my, my ideas and my stories and my experience from stages, the, the word spread. And all of a sudden, I got contacted by the Paul Mitchell Company. It was soon after the man Paul Mitchell had died in 1989. So it was soon after that that they asked me to do some seminars for them. And, and that gig back in 1989 just kept on growing and growing and growing until it was hundreds of events every single year. When it was time that the Paul Mitchell Company wanted to get into the school business, so now I'm going about back about 22 years ago, John Paul DeJoria. So he's that guy that you see in the TV commercials with the, the yeah. ponytail. And he recently sold Patron tequila. Uh, so he approached me about 22 years ago and said, I want to get into the school business. Would you be my partner? And so that's how that started off. So even though by that point, I, I had already been in the in the school business almost 20 years. Uh, when When he and I got together, the plan was that we were going to open up seven schools together. And now we have over 100. Incredible. I know uh, you wrote a book called Be Nice or Else. I'd like to talk a little bit about that after our break. But um, Larry King, I know, said you're one of the finest public speakers in the country. He even wrote the foreword to your book. So I think you uh, you know what you're talking about, Wynn. Um, Thanks, Patrick. It, it's an incredible story. Um, I love the fact you started in Utah because that's my home hometown. But um it's just incredible. Your, um, my hat is off to you. Congratulations on, on you. your success. And uh, it's it's time to for us to go to break real quick. But when we come back, let's jump ahead and talk a little bit about what the school has accomplished and especially what you're doing with your fundraising, uh, your annual fundraising uh, program and, the, uh, and some of the other things you're doing. So we're speaking with Wynn Claybaugh. He's the uh, co-founder and dean of the Paul Mitchell Schools, and um, public speaker, author, philanthropist. Very pleased to have you with us, Win. Thank you, Patrick. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Certainty management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. 
That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty, everyone. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Joining the conversation with Wynn Claybaugh. He's the co-founder and dean of Paul Mitchell, the school, and um, motivational speaker, author, philanthropist, and you're a dad, right? You have uh, a daughter. How old's your daughter these days? I, I have a, oh my gosh. I got, you, you even say you have a daughter and I get emotional. Yeah, I, I have a 10-year-old daughter and it's just the, the best thing that ever happened to me. I, I, I like to tell people, had I not become a dad, I'd... I would have turned into a, a, a rich old jerk. So, <laughs> and it's Kennedy. Is that her name? No, Sophia. 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 Okay. I, uh, you know, I have uh, three boys, two girls. Okay. And um, I became a dad almost overnight. My, um, my, my kid's mom was a widow with three children. So they were four, three, and one when wow. we met. We have two boys together. So I went from zero to four children in a year when she's, <laughs> uh, I should be the one who has the same hairdo as you, but it's hanging in there. Uh, but it's, uh, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me, you know, and anyone who hasn't experienced parenthood, I know there's a lot of people who don't want to be parents and they think they can't handle it. But when you see those children, especially when from the, from, from the very first moment, you never realized how much you could love another person. Isn't that true? Yeah, it really absolutely puts things into uh, perspective. And if, if if the topic were, hey, when what have you learned from your daughter? I could just go on and on and on, especially about the the, the part of, of being present and, and how much, you know, this this little uh, device here can steal that from, from being a really good dad. And my God, again, I could go on and on about, leadership qualities of of how being on your cell phone all the time is not only bad parenting it's also bad leadership right so, and but i learned that from from being a dad i completely agree you know you as we look back over your career you've you've really helped change this entire generation of beauty professionals and you talk about the lessons you've learned from your daughter and and from your partner um You've learned it from mentors, right? You, you had this extraordinary opportunity to partner with Paul DeGiorio, or excuse me, John Paul DeGiorio. And um, I mean, that's an opportunity of a lifetime. The guy's an icon, right? Oh, yeah, and, he is. And, and still to this day, he's still very, very active. We're in touch all the time. And every time I get on the phone, he has a, a hundred new exciting projects <laughs> uh, or or causes that he that he's involved in, and he just he just loves loves life. He genuinely loves uh, people, and you know if you're if you're in a room with John Paul DeJoria, he's not talking about his billions of dollars. He's not talking about his 
brand new car. He's not talking about, you know, his latest accolade or, or, or award. He's, he's talking about you and he's genuinely interested in you and he'll ask you questions about you and how he ends every single meeting is, gosh, is there anything more that I can do for you? That's literally how he ends every phone call, every meeting. What can I do for you? He really has what we call a servant's heart when it comes to leadership. Oh, you see anyone who is truly successful, they seem to have figured that out, haven't they? I mean, I know you have. Well, you you, you hope so. Unfortunately, you see some that, that somehow they're still able to be successful and make the money, even though the culture that they that they have created is a culture of of fear and intimidation and an ego, and and yet they're still making money. Like, okay, well, uh, for me, it's a lot more than making money. It's about my legacy, and it's about being able to sleep at night. <laughs> it's about being a a good dad and a good human being and a good example. So, so that that culture, which you brought up in the very very beginning of of our interview, uh, just just the, the the importance of a culture. I think it's John Maxwell that says. Uh, culture eats everything for lunch. Culture eats systems for lunch. So it's all about having that wonderful culture, which has to start from the top. Well, it does. And I think, you know, when I say those who are truly successful, that's more than just finances, right? It's more than just wealth. It's all those things you talk about as far as impact and legacy. And how did you change your community and change the world? Um, I love the Paul Mitchell story because they started with just, I think it was $700. They launched this hair care system and with three products. Now they're in 80 countries, 150 plus products. And um, But I, I think even the fact that he wanted to create um, an education system says something about who he was, right? He wasn't just about selling product. It was about creating opportunity for all of his uh, beauty professionals, right? And I mean, uh, what was it like when he reached out to you and said, I'd like to be your partner. Let's co-found this. Um, he said you were already in this school. You were already teaching uh, professionals how to do the business, it sounds like. Had been doing so for many years. Um, but to make that transition and to launch Paul Mitchell, the school, where did, where was the first uh, location? I think you said it was in, in California, right? Well, my first location was right there in your hometown of Provo, Utah. So again, that's where I opened up my first cosmetology school 40 years ago. And by the way, it's still there. Is that so right? So it's still still there going strong. And and uh, but the the first school that John Paul and I opened up together was in Costa Mesa, California. So that and that was 22 years ago. And that's still considered the flagship location, isn't it? It is. It is. And uh, again, the whole company is it's been growing organically. We didn't seek out partners or sell franchises, you know, through a broker. That's not what we did. It was all about relationships. It was all about, gosh, we have a great relationship with this incredible business owner, a salon owner or an entrepreneur in this city. It's not like we chose that city because, the, you know, we did the, the research and the demographics and and had a great broker who is good at real estate or the city was giving us some tax breaks. That's not what it was about. It was all about a relationship. So all of our successful business endeavors started because there was a successful relationship in place. I love that. I know a big part of it has been uh, the culture at Paul Mitchell uh, School and uh, at the Paul Mitchell Schools. 
Talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Tell us what makes up the culture that you think sets you apart from other programs out there, because you have this world-renowned reputation now. Uh, Your your professionals, your students are just, they are passionate about what they're doing, and they're actually giving back in their own ways, which we're going to get into here in a minute, but how do you define the culture there at the Paul Mitchell Schools? Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. It's a great question. It's a great question because it's something that I'm I'm very proud of, something that I uh, focus on every single day. Like this is what I consider to be my number one job. It's not making sure that we have the right janitor or that we have the right accounting systems. Again, I'm I'm surrounded by people who are much smarter than I am. I feel like my number one priority, my number one role as the as the the co-founder, as the dean of Pomichel Schools is to be that ambassador of a culture. And, and culture is that feeling that you that you have when you walk into any type of a business. You can walk into a, a restaurant and and uh, it could be beautiful decor and incredible reputation, but you walk in, it's like, gosh, it just doesn't feel good here. Right. And and the opposite can be true as well. You walk in, it's like, gosh, this is where I I I I belong. This is where it feels good. And so and I believe that when two people come together, there's a culture. And we have to decide what that culture looks like, what that culture feels like, or by default, it will be decided for us. And so we made the decision many years ago of what that culture would stand for. And it's real, real simple if I can share it with you. Sure. We'd love there there are three basic human needs that we focus on. Number one, people need to feel safe. When people do not feel safe, we don't bring out the best in them. I give this uh, this little story, this little joke. Uh, so a business owner is given a tour of his business, of his facility. And the person asks, uh, so how many people work here? And the business owner responded with, oh, about half, about half work here. <laughs> and the reason why that can happen is because people aren't engaged. I mean, maybe they're engaged with their time, meaning they show up to work for one thing and one thing only, and that is to receive a paycheck but they're not engaged with their heart, with their creativity, with their passion. And oftentimes when people aren't engaged, what do we wanna do? We just wanna fire them. But you cannot fire your way into building a better team of people. So we know if people do not feel safe, they're not engaged. And if they're not engaged, we don't get the best from them. So number one, people need to feel safe. Number two, people need to feel that they belong. 60% 60% of people say, no one has my back. And by the way, half of them are married. <laughs> so maybe they don't feel like they belong at home. Maybe they don't feel like they belong in their, in their neighborhoods. But I want to create a culture within my company that people, maybe for the first time ever, they feel like they belong. We're all different here, different size, different colors, different ages, different political and religious backgrounds and, and, and affiliations. But when we come together, we all belong here. This is where we belong. Uh, And then the third basic human need is people need to feel that they have a purpose. So it's not just about cutting hair. It's not just about making pizzas. It's not just about cleaning teeth. What's the, the, the bigger purpose, the bigger reason why we come together? And the best way I can explain this or share this is you have two janitors working for an elementary school. They have the same job, the same title, the same salary, the same hours, the same boss, the same everything. One janitor has the attitude of these little brats make a mess around here. And it's my job to clean it up. That's what they pay me to do. 
And the other janitor has the attitude of, my role is to create a clean educational learning environment for the next generation that's going to save this planet. So one has a job, the other one has a purpose. People need to have a purpose. I love that. I completely agree. I've um, tried to incorporate those same principles into our company. And uh, our, our consulting firm is named Certainty Management. And we educate our clients on these exact things, on how to add, add to recruiting and retention, how to make it a place that uh, their people want to work at, they're excited to work at, uh, you know, creating ownership in your employees. And how do you do that? You, you do it by helping them feel safe, helping them feel like they belong and helping them feel like they have purpose. I think they also have to have fun, right? Which I know is a big part of your your culture. I mean, I've heard you some of your your talks and some of your your addresses, and you've spoken to country to companies ranging from Southwest Airlines to to uh, everyone in between, and uh, about these principles because it's not just because they're universal, right? They 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 cross uh, global barriers. They're international. They. They work with a small business with three employees all the way up to a major corporation with thousands of employees because they are, I call them eternal principles, right? And, um, you know, we, as we talk about adding in the fun side of it, obviously a big part of your culture. And I think it's one of the reasons your, your professionals feel so much engagement is what you're doing to give back. Um, let's talk a little bit about that. Let's get into what you, you're doing with the fundraising event each year. Do you, do you mind explaining what it is and, and, and how it works? Because I know you've given away so far over, what is it? What are you up to? About $25 million now that you yeah. give charities? Yeah, for, for a variety of causes. So we've, uh, we've raised a ton of money, almost $2 million for uh, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, which uh, I'm, I'm sure, Patrick, you being there from, from Utah, I'm sure you're also good friends with... Uh, you know, Murray Osmond, the co-founder of Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, which serves 170 hospitals throughout the country. 10 million children a year walk into a Children's Miracle Network Hospital. And so that's one of our the charities that we raise money for. We've also been working with the Gary Sinise Foundation for over, gosh, right. 12 years, uh, building smart homes for triple and quadruple amputees, true war heroes, and and working with first responders. We've raised a ton of money for Thirst Project, building clean water wells around the planet, uh, Food for Africa. We, every single day, are feeding over 10,000 orphans. Not only are we feeding them, we're clothing them and educating them. We've been doing that for many, many years. Wow. Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. So a, a variety of different causes in the fight of sex trafficking. So there's a lot of causes that we're very, very passionate about. And, uh, you know, fortunately, I was raised well. You know, I, I'm, I'm one of eight children and, and my parents taught us that, that, that we're going to give back, that we're going to make a difference. You know, dad, why do I have to go mow the lawn of the old lady down the street if she's not going to pay me? You know, <laughs> I, I was raised well. So when I started my company, of course, you know, I had a mattress on the floor in my apartment, um, but we were still hosting some type of a fundraising event to make a difference in our local communities. And, and, um, I think you and I are having this conversation yesterday that that the the for-profit industries could learn a lot from the nonprofit world and vice versa. Right. And sometimes when we're busy building our companies and our, our businesses, 
and you don't have to be a business owner to, to relate to or to understand what I'm talking about. But when we're building our careers, sometimes we just put our head down and we work super, super hard. You know, for 10, 15 years, we raise our hand. It's like, wow, I'm paying my bills. I drive a really cool car, but I haven't done anything to give back. And I understand that. And so, so then they start thinking along those lines. But fortunately, I was taught that I needed to have that element in my company, in my career from the very, very beginning. And so um, and our fundraising campaign that we do through our Palmetto schools and through my new company, Salty Dog, um, it's not just one Saturday a year that we have a, a, a walk-a-thon to raise money. In our Palmetto schools, it literally, Patrick, is a three-month campaign where almost every single day in all 100 plus of our schools, there is some type of a fundraising campaign happening, whether it's a bake sale that'll raise $50 that day or a, or a car wash that'll raise $500 that day or a, or a fashion show or a cut-a-thon that's going to raise $1,000 that day. But it's literally the average donation that we receive is around 5 to $10, very grassroots. And yet today, it's, it's as you um, mentioned, it has brought in over $25 million. And when I say that we've raised $25 million, we have donated $25 million, meaning we have zero overhead. We don't, we don't pay rent uh, for the nonprofit arm of our, of our company. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, everybody's a volunteer. I have one very, very part-time employee that helps us with the bookkeeping uh, for that company. But otherwise, the, the lawyers, the marketers, uh, the accountants, uh, everybody that's uh, affiliated with our fundraising campaign, everybody volunteers their time. Wow, it's an incredible story. When um, I think whether we fall into it, we we learned it as a child growing up, or we figure it out eventually. Some never do, and I really believe they're missing out on one of the sweetest parts of life. Um, you know, as we were talking yesterday, um, and we're up against our our next break. But if for profits don't understand that. I believe they're they're shortchanging themselves. They're missing out on one of the most important parts of their business. It's a not necessarily not 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 just a an obligation that they have, but it's a real blessing if they figure it out. I want to come back well, after the break. Let's continue the conversation, but we are uh, out of time. Um, go ahead. One last comment. Even if a company doesn't want to do it for the right reason, because it's the right thing to do. There are statistics that that prove a, a company that does get involved with contributing back to their community, whether that's locally or globally, uh, what that does in terms of employee retention, attracting the best type of employee, uh, where you're going to get the best skill set, the best creativity, the best knowledge, as well as uh, customer loyalty. Eight, one really quick, 85% of consumers will decide to, to do business with a company based on whether or not that company, that business is involved with giving money back out to their community. It's true. Uh, it, even if it's for selfish reasons that you want more customers, it's the right thing to do. Right. Even if all you want is the tax write-off, start you go. there <laughs> and you'll see the other ripple effects, the ramifications that come of it. So. Uh, we're visiting with Wynn Claybaugh. He's the co-founder and dean of the Paul Mitchell Schools. Very pleased to have you here, Wynn. I'm loving this conversation. We're going to go to break Thank real you, quick. Me too. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. 
If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T E A M, like Mary.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty, everyone. We're visiting with Wynn Claybaugh. He's the dean and co-founder of the Paul Mitchell Schools. And uh, really just an incredible career, Wynn. Motivational speaker, author. Let's talk just for a minute about your book. Um, be nice or be kind. No, excuse me. Be nice or else. Right. That's the name yes. of the, the title. Yes. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Reeves. Uh, does that name ring a bell? It does you? not. Gary is a uh, music producer. He's a television producer. He has. He's been. He was. A, he was a guest on my show a few months back, and. And the title of that show was How Kindness and Love uh, Work in Business, How Important It Is in Business. Uh, that's the topic of your book, right? And it's been, I, I know it's been integrated into the culture of your company, of this school. It's, you have what, over a thousand uh, students, is my understanding, over a hundred locations. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the book. What's it about and uh, what's the core message? Thank you. You know, originally the, the book was an employee manual. Again, back in the very, very beginning, it was all about the, the culture. We need to write this down. It was easy to, to create a culture that stays strong if we're all in the same building every single day. But when you have multiple locations uh, with team members that you've never even met, how do you know that that culture is alive and strong? 
that right. culture that we talked about before where people feel safe, where they feel like they belong, where they feel like they have a purpose. How's that going to happen in a, in a building, in a facility where I'm not visiting there every single day? So it was important to write it down because I believe that if things are not written down, then it doesn't exist. There's not a system unless it's written down. And so it started off as, as a, an employee manual as I started sharing what I was writing with um, certain friends and mentors. They had encouraged me to turn it into a, a book. Uh, and then I got people like uh, the president of Southwest Airlines, Colleen Barrett, endorsed it. And uh, Larry King came along and said, I hear you're writing this book. I would like to write the foreword for your book. Um, even people like, like, like Betty White came on board and said, you know, this is a, a cause that uh, a message that I'm really passionate about. You need to make this into a book. And so, so I got a lot of encouragement from people. Um, and the, the first part of the book is to dispel those myths about what it means and what it does not mean to be nice. Some people think if I'm nice, people will walk all over me. And I'm here to say, no, you can fire somebody and still be nice about it. Right. You can break up with somebody and still be nice about it. You can express your opinion and your, and your vote and, and your messaging and still be nice about it. You know, being nice does not mean that you have to talk in a really soft voice and wear pastel colors all the time. <laughs> and so I, I really want to dispel that, that, yeah, you can be successful in life. You can, you know, nice guys do finish first. So that was the the first part of the book. The next part of the book gets into being nice to ourselves. You can't you can't be nice out there if you're not first being nice in here. And so we talk a lot about that. There are a couple of chapters devoted to to the business world of what that looks like. And then the last part of the book is what I call a be nice revolution. Especially nowadays, my gosh, this this planet is just so divided and it's us versus them and if I disagree with you, not only am I going to debate you on it. I'm going to unfriend you. I'm going to blackball you. I'm going to do everything that I can to destroy you. Why? Because I disagree with your opinion. So now even more than ever, um, to, to add niceness to any equation is, is absolutely going to serve us well. Well, it absolutely does. And it, it, it's, it's a necessity. Again, it's as we were talking about for-profit organizations that haven't figured out that the value of that philanthropic side, I think it's it's professionals, leaders, business executives, et cetera, who haven't figured out the value of this principle. You don't have to be a jerk to be strong, right? You can have boundaries. You can you can stand up for yourself. You can you can be a, a, a compelling leader and still be nice. I think it's. I can so, guarantee you, when, when people quit, that's what they're saying. They're quitting. You know, why, why'd you quit? That was such a good job, a great paycheck. And what are they saying to you? My boss was mean. My boss was a jerk. Fifty percent of people who quit their jobs did so to get away from their boss. And by the way, those who are quitting, it's not the worst employees; it's the best employees. And the best I, employees are quitting. Why? They know they deserve better. I can. I couldn't agree with you more. When. Um, and, and, but I, I think there's this, this misnomer, just like you said, that if you're nice, you're weak. And so it's so gratifying seeing leaders like yourself, Gary's a good example, Gary Reeves, I should introduce you to, because, uh, he's the producer of a, 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 it's a series on the Oprah Winfrey network called, uh, called give. Mm -hmm. And they, they highlight 
a number of different nonprofits each year. I think what you guys do, um, you would really resonate with each other. That sounds awesome. Wow. Yeah, he's an amazing, amazing guy. Um, so you've, you've also done some work with the Andrew Gomez uh, Dream Foundation, uh, which I know you, you co-founded. Um, and when you talk about being nice, you know, and why people leave uh, their employer, a lot of the time it's because they're, they're, they're suffering, right? They're, they're struggling. And we're not aware because you talk about, you, you spoke earlier about being present with your daughter, present as a parent. I think we also need to be present as employers, as coworkers. We need to look up from our phones and, and be engaged, not just in our job and in our work, but in our community, in our lives. We don't have to agree on everything. Right? We can be nice about our disagreements, about our differences of opinion and so forth. But I also think we need to be aware and alert and, and, and engaged in each other's lives. Share, share with me your thoughts on that. Do you, do you agree with me? I, I, I absolutely do. Uh, I recently read that the Center of Disease Control is saying that 50% of people now are suffering from some sort of mental health challenge. And then there's that side of me that says, really? So the other 50% are just fine? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> right. You know, so so it's you better believe it's prominent uh, in our families, in our in our circle of friends. It's also prominent at work. And again, you don't have to be the boss to be someone who has influence and can make a difference with the people that you work with every single day. Leadership is not a title, it's not a position, it's an attitude, it's a mindset, it's an energy. You could be the brand new person working in that company, making less money than anybody else, but your influence on the people that you work with every single day can be absolutely profound. And so mental health and mental illness and mental well-being is at the top of everybody's list right now. And if, and if it's not, it, it should be, and it could be. Andrew Gomez was um, one of my graduates and, and an employee who unfortunately ended his life with suicide. And when that happened uh, over 20 years ago, that was a huge wake-up call because none of us had any idea. We had no clues. And so now for us to, first of all, be aware, uh, but second of all, make it a topic of conversation. There's just so much, still such a stigma attached to that. There's no, there's no shame in having cancer. There's no shame in being a, a diabetic, right? But there's the shame in struggling with some sort of mental uh, illness or, or affliction, whether that's uh, addiction, depression, suicidal thoughts. So for us to, to be transparent and have those conversations, you know, you and I were talking about my uh, past experience as, as a drug addict and alcoholic. I'm, I'm right. now 21 years clean and sober, and I am very, very transparent about that because I think leaders need to be transparent because if, if we hide that side of ourselves, I know that people look at me and they're like, you know, gosh, when, okay, you know, you look like you're doing okay. And yet you overcame that. Maybe there's hope for me. You know, Patrick, I love this, this whole theme of finding certainty, because to me, what that means is uh, hope. It's our job to sell hope and, and right. people, an employee, a team member, a friend could be down and out in every way, down and out spiritually, emotionally, but if there's a small glimmer of hope, a little bit of glimmer of, of certainty, then okay, we can work with that. 
And I think it's our job to bring that to not only to our families, but also to the workplace. I totally agree. I, uh, you know, with our business, one of the things we do is we provide really low cost benefits to, to business owners, small businesses, and our mental health program, it's $30 a month. It's, it's unlimited counseling sessions with zero copay, and it is our number one seller. Oh, I'm sure. It is an absolute need out there. Um, speaking of hope, you talked about Betty White. You know, she gave you a hard time about your haircut, heading up this global <laughs> hair and beauty uh, conglomerate. Uh, but she was a great example of inspiring and instilling hope in people. I think, uh, I'm sure it was quite the honor to have and and kindness and and fun and humor like all those qualities that we all emulate that all those all those skill sets that 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 you better believe are going to make us more money more successful uh yeah she she was a great example of of a lot of those skills well and it's it's about more than just money right when you figure that out you gain this richness and this depth in your life. That's what we're talking about with companies. If they would understand the the depth and the ripple effects that that would have in employee retention and so forth and so on, I think it would take our our, our economy to a whole other level. Let alone our uh, kind of our the, the soul of our country, if I may, if I may say so. So, I agree. Um, we are coming up on the end. I know you've transitioned and you're, and in addition to the beauty industry, you're now working in the pet industry. Tell us real quick in 30 seconds about Salty Dog. Uh, well, the, the pet industry is a $100 billion industry. It's, it's growing and expanding. Look at how many people, especially during the pandemic, uh, decided to, to get uh, pets, bring animals into their world. And, and you know this, Patrick. Uh, sometimes we spend more on our, our pets than we do on ourselves. I, I know people who are spending, you know, upwards of a hundred dollars to groom their 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 animals, and yet they're not spending anything on their own personal uh, <laughs> grooming services. And so we, you know, we we love 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 our animals, and and so do I, and so do my partners in this. And so we have a couple of locations already open. The goal is to have about a hundred locations in the next uh, three years, and it's just a fun industry. It's just a fun fun industry, and. The thing that sets us apart is that we we look to hire uh, licensed hairdressers who already know how to cut hair, so they have that skill set, and we transition that skill set into pet grooming. But there are also people who who love love customer service. This is an industry that that loves loves animals, and that's who we're attracting into our salty dog pet grooming salons. That's fantastic. You know, one of my favorite quotes, I actually saw it on your Instagram, and I knew we had a, a lot in common. It says, life's most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others from Dr. Martin Luther King? You're a great example of that, Wynn. Thanks for uh, sharing with us a little bit of your story. How do people get a hold of you? Just real quick, what's your website? If uh, how, My, how my website's just my name, winclayba.com. Uh, that's that's also my Instagram and my Facebook and Twitter and every everything else. So just real simple. On my website, um, I have a, a podcast that I've had for over 22 years. Every single month for the last 22 years, I put out a new interview. And I've interviewed people like Larry King and Gary Sinise and, and Marie Osmond, but also people who nobody would know who they are, but they have a story to tell. And I love, love, love storytellers. To me, the best leaders are storytellers. Well, I completely agree. And you're one of the best. 
Thank you so Thank you, much. Patrick. Well, you're you're very good at what you do. Your your questions and and how easily you facilitate this conversation, and that's what it felt like. Is just uh, the two of you, I and I, out for for coffee, and it's uh, feels like a really good conversation. And I appreciate that. It's been great. Thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you, Win. Come on back next week. Well, uh, we're grateful to have you here on Finding Certainty. Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.